0: Welcome back to the Painless Brandcast, a special painless podcast focused on brand marketing from the brand perspective. This is part two of the chat Kevin Adler and I had with John Lewicki, the head of global partnerships for McDonald's Corporation. Back in part one, we talked about John's background, some important mentors and advice for him. Uh, negotiating skills, and uh, establishing sponsorship objectives, and a bunch of other great stuff. But you're here for part two, right? In this episode, we're going to talk some agency do's and don'ts and things that uh, John looks for from his end. Also, we'll discuss an internal audience kind of case study with McDonald's crew members, some great things that McDonald's has done with both uh, working and rewarding crew members, letting them work and then enjoy Super Bowls and Olympics and an interesting recent Super Bowl story has to tell. We'll also talk about the future of ownable assets like the ne- next week's uh, McDonald's High School All-America game that we'll even prognosticate a bit on sponsorships becoming media deals. Is it possible? A quick sponsor note. We're being brought to you today by the Neighborhood Marketing Factor Conference coming to Chicago's Wicker Park on April 4th. Folks at DNA Info are going to share some game-changing data and some really interesting insights on connecting your brand, authentically leveraging neighborhoods. Some interesting stuff on a new approach and save 50 bucks when you register at nhbdfactor.com nhbdfactor.com and use the code painless okay time for part two recorded march 21st at mcdonald's headquarters in beautiful oakbrook illinois let's get connected with john lewicky Should we get into some of the dos and don'ts since we've
1: got a uniquely uh, honest and candid uh, interviewee Interviewee. today? So, talk about uh, what you think McDonald's does particularly well, and what you think McDonald's could do better in its use of sponsorship.
2: You know, I think uh, from from a brand standpoint, from McDonald's, I think we, um, you know, we we all right, we negotiate contracts very well. Um, and you know, I think we could do from a, we could do a better job activating. Um, we've relied a lot on the media aspect of, and 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 that's across all all channels of media. We've relied a lot of that on the on the activation, and I think we can do better. Uh, you know, we're a big system, so it's difficult sometimes to push things through. But um, we can do a little better on really engaging our consumers. We do it well on a local level. Um, but on a national level, I think uh, we we could certainly do it better to create a, uh, a an integrated program that will be relevant to people. Same question applies to the property
1: side. What do you think the... It's a big-picture question, but the property community in general, what do you think they're doing well
2: these days? What do you think they need to do better? You know, I, 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 again, I still... St- S- struggle with, uh, you know, so what, what are the properties offering? So it's a question of there's, you know, obviously there's marks, there's, there's assets, but the challenge that the properties are having is there's so many points of entry that you don't even need to be associated with the property. So they need to work harder to make sure that their brand is a reason you want to be there because, you know, not to pick on the NFL, but, you know, I can go to the NFL 17 different ways um, and and be considered official. Um, so, the challenge for any property in that position, and, I, and the NFL is a behemoth, so you know, they're, they're fortunate that way, um, but the challenge with that is the money, the more I'm involved in paying you, the less I have to actually activate it. Where my competitor is not paying you and is using that money to activate against a perceived Association that is hurting me. So until that balance uh, changes a little bit, um, you know, I think you're going to see you know some challenges on, on all the property levels. And I'll, I'll I'll also say that I you know I'm, I'm uh, I'll, I'll prognosticate again. Um, it Worked so well in 2000. I was going to say I hope it goes
1: <laughs> better than your Twitter um, prediction.
2: <laughs> but you know I'm I'm not sure in in five, 10, I don't know the time frame whether there will be sponsorship. You know the media landscape is one so expensive, and sponsor, and it's making sponsorship so expensive, or the association. Um, and as a broadcaster, they're they're paying so much money to get the rights that they want additional things to be able to sell that. So when you get the broadcaster, I you know I, I see a future where you know the broadcaster is a sponsor, and you you as the media or you as the property, or the the brand are going to the broadcaster and getting your rights through them because they. They, they paid so much for it, and they're gonna. You know, your, your value on the on the actual property side is diminished. And some of that's already happening. I mean, we see yeah, on absolutely the local level. You see it on a local level, but I think you'll see it on the you know especially in the next. We'll see what the next wave of, of rights fees are on the global level of properties and and even the national levels and properties. But you know, when a broadcaster is saying they're selling a competitor, the official broadcast sponsor of a an event when you know it's a challenge so the message
1: there is really about the properties doing a better job of protecting their partners while at the same time giving their broadcast rights holders the ability to monetize yeah, what they paid I, for the rights
2: and 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 you know i maybe have a simplistic view i don't know that they can uh, hmm. i mean they're in a they're in, they're in a they are they are in they are not now so it, there's, there's going to be a big, you know, and, and you, you, you can't give up the dollar, so it's, it's I don't know how they can uh, protect. Short uh, of a merger of
1: the broadcast rights and the, yeah. and the rest of the rights, right? Yeah. Talk a little bit about where you do and don't utilize agencies to support your function here, and then talk about what you think agencies,
2: from your exposure to them, do well and what they need to do better. So from my from my standpoint again I think we're somewhat fortunate we've got obviously we've got an agency roster to do all of our advertising all of our event uh, marketing aspects uh, our logistics stuff but uh, we don't utilize agencies to do any of our negotiations or any of our account management. So we do that all in house. So um, I basically own it, manage the property, and our team. And then we we have the agencies execute, if you will. Um, from, so that, that's an advantage f- from our standpoint. I, I think the agencies, the challenge uh, with the agencies is, and you're starting to see a little bit of the consolidation, is that... Um, the umbrella corporations, if you will, who say, we have everything. Um, But they really don't, um, because everything costs someone money so if uh you come in and say, "Look at us, we've got this plethora of all these different disciplines, but oh yeah but they they're going to take my fee away I, you know so it's it's that's a challenge, and I think uh you're going to see a little bit more consolidation with with that and I think agencies need to be able to walk in with a here's our portfolio don't just walk in with here's our portfolio oh by the way, you got to you can contact them here's our portfolio of what we can do for you within this scope of of, of the work um because as soon as someone tells me, here's my portfolio, and here's what we can do, and say, OK, I want that. Oh, well, that's a, then you to talk to somebody separately, then then I've lost interest. Uh, so less silos on the agency Yeah, yeah you, 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 you want to have that one stop shop. You want to, if they're coming in and representing well, it. Right, that's the then, thing, is they're representing it, it needs to happen. It's yeah, not, it happen. OK,
0: well, if you need that, then go talk to that person. Right. No, I need you to go get that done. Exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. So as a client side purchaser of agency services, if someone were to break down those silos, do you like the idea of a one-stop shop or do you still want the ability to select on
2: a vertical discipline-by-discipline oh, no. discipline basis? I, I love the idea of a one-stop shop. I, I, if I could find an agency that could do all the things I needed them to do, one agency...
1: Yeah, we'll just Nirvana. edit that part out for those of us in the independent agency. <laughs> <computer>. we <We'll, we'll laughs> Well, that's what we're gonna go home and build. Exactly. Perfect. Perfect. Talk about uh, short of the silo aspect of the conversation on a little bit more of a day-to-day basis. What do you think makes for a successful client-agency relationship? I had this idea a long time ago for Event Marketer Magazine to interview a marriage therapist Mm, about interesting, right? The parallels between a successful marriage and a successful agency-client relationship. What are the? Certainly, you've had agencies that have come and gone over time over the length of your career here. What do you think makes for a successful agency-client relationship?
2: You know, uh, again, uh, so I'll, I'll I'll play my age a little bit. Um, It all comes down to relationships. So it's it's the personnel that you put on there, and it, either it's going to work or it's not. Um, you can have the smartest person in the world and the best agency person in the world, but the, if they're a serbic, obnoxious person, it's not going to work. So and that's yeah, uh, that's <laughs> my Kevin can't get anywhere here, exactly. Right? <laughs> um, but it's it's also you know the, the broader step of the relationship. It's not about you know sucking up either. It's you know I have no personally I have no issue with an agency person telling me you're wrong. Um, you know, I think that's their job. Uh, I don't know everything, and we're paying and hiring somebody for that expertise, so they should be able. To, but you don't see that a lot. You see, you know, they dance around to mm-hmm. tell people that they're they're smart, and you know, there, a lot of people need their ego stroked, so um, th- that happens. And I'm not sure that's ever going to go away. Uh, but you know, certainly from my standpoint, I'm okay with it, and I think that relationship aspect with the agency that you know. They can count on you, and they don't feel abused by you as the brand side. And I can count on them and know they're going to deliver on their side. That's that's key.
0: How many different agencies do you work with right now? I
2: mean, and who are the roster agencies? Um, So we have in the U.S. we've gone to this new model with an agency called We Are Unlimited. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of that one-stop shop that we're talking about um you know obviously uh, we've DDB and Leo Burnett uh, from a national uh, advertising agency standpoint and global uh, platform TBWA um, we've got and then you get down to our local markets uh, we've got Cosette and uh, Morocco and Bernstein Range, so all, all in the local market um, and then on the event side you know whether it be uh, ILuca or uh, GMR or rpMC these are the agencies we've worked with in the past so it's it's fairly broad, how many people do you have on your team? You talk about
0: you know taking care of a lot of stuff in house
2: yeah so i uh, um, uh, I have three people who work on my team directly in the space, and then we borrow if you will um Um, people who are project people. So they have other responsibilities, but their project will fall into our our space, and then we utilize them on that particular project. But I've got three people, including myself, who- And then
0: what's the math on how many different properties or- events and things that are you sponsoring right now, that you have deals with?
2: So we've, uh, globally, we're with the World Cup and the IOC. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that translate down, uh, obviously, to the NOCs around the world. Then we have the Olympics and coming up in Korea, uh, World Cup coming up in Russia, uh, Federations Cup coming up in Russia this summer, uh, but Olympics and World Cup next year. So those are. Heavily laden projects mm-hmm. uh, that we're working on, um, and then we have the uh, McDonald's All American Game, which is next week, mm-hmm. which is uh, and we'll we'll start to move that again. Um, so that's on a yearly basis, um, and then our association with NASCAR and that what that looks like on our races day in and day out, or week in and week out, I should say. Um, the NFL, we're we're currently uh, with them and in, in, in a renegotiation. Um, that's it on on what I'm in, involved with. Uh, we, we don't have any current, because we haven't gone into the cycle, we don't have any current athlete or celebrity relationships. Um, that'll come in as we look at our business plans and what we're looking for forever for um, the Olympics and World Cup, how that'll play in. It's a lot for four people, yeah, basically. You know, Those are okay. massive, uh, right. you know, events because
0: you're talking about that. There's not only the activation sponsorship pieces, but then what's also big hospitality entertainment
2: yeah, pieces well, that we're, go along with that, right? I mean, quite honestly, we're not a huge hospitality company, um, so we, you know, again, our clients are the. 26 million or to 72 million people a day who go into our restaurants around the world. So that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. We, so we don't focus on that as much as some others who are who truly have key customers that they bring in. But we do do a crew program. So in the Olympics, when we uh, go build restaurants, we bring crew from around the world. And we do our kids program that we bring kids in first. So we're, you know, for World Cup, you know, it's a challenge for Russia. The World Cup in 2018, you know, it's 1,408 kids that we, we bring in for the player escort program. Um, and then with the Olympics, with the Olympics, it'll be about 120 crew and another 60 kids that we'll bring in for the two platforms we do with the crew and the and the kids program for wow. the Olympics. So I'm going to ask you to talk a little bit more about the crew program because I think for uh, our
1: listeners, this is a best practices Case study. Uh, too many programs in the sponsorship space ignore the internal audience, and I think this is truly one of the gold standard case studies for how to take a consumer-facing sponsorship and leverage it against an
2: internal audience in a really engaging way. Sure, it was you know it was really kind of born out of the the Sydney Games in 2000, where we we, we built restaurants in in um, Atlanta and Nagano started in '96, but those were functionally operational programs that we just dumped just a dump to, to resources because we didn't know what we were doing at that time.
1: And, and I'm um, sorry, just to clarify, you're talking about restaurants in the Athlete Village?
2: athlete's right Village there. and in and around the park. So in, in Atlanta, for the games, we built 16 restaurants. Wow. So we build them wow. at every venue. we learned not to do that again. <laughs> um, so then we started going and just building in the park and in the athletes village and part of our association with the uh, um, with the IOC is to 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 provide food service in the athletes village so but you got somebody's got to work there um, so we developed uh, uh, what we call our, our champion crew program Olympic champion crew program where we get we, it's a retention, it's a reward platform to reach our crew and managers from around the world, and we send them to the games to work for a week. But they, so it becomes our hospitality program. They are there to work. It sounds challenging, but at the same time, they're they've got time off and they get to participate and go to the games. And we host uh, events for them and different things. And uh, you know, I look at Rio. Uh, we built a McCafe inside the NBC commissary. Um, and we wanted to focus on that since it was NBC and US-based. We brought you know, 35 people down from the US who went and, and worked for five days in that McCafe as a normal course of a job. And then they spent another four days in Rio having wow. fun. So, and how do the crew members qualify? Uh, so we multiple different ways. Again, that freedom within a framework. So give the opportunity, whether it's uh, we have a bunch of different uh, customer SAT scores uh, we look at. We also just uh, recognition from owner-operators or regions, uh, and, and they nominate and they go through a different process. Some of it is about retention, again, and, and, and rewarding those folks who have been long-term employees and, and, uh, and good employees. So it's a good mix of getting uh, the right people there. And, and again, it's uh, the demographics are fascinating because we've had, you know, uh, 21-year-olds and and 68-year-olds who crew <laughs> have participated. So it's 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 really kind of a neat program, and uh, you know, I, it's something they would never get to experience. Um, uh, you know, I, I so I've you know, sort of a funny story, I guess. Um, we'll be the judge of that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, took uh, 50 crew in the United States to the Super Bowl in Arizona. We, and we were fortunate, I guess. Um, the hotel we were staying at was the hotel where the Seattle Seahawks were staying and their entire organization. Um, so we had this crew. And, and all of a sudden, there were a bunch of people out saying, hey, I'll buy your tickets, I'll buy your tickets. Now, these are crew people. Um and so we had a dilemma and talking to our h r and 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 our folks were there and saying, you know we're gonna you know and it was sort of an interesting conversation is uh, we're going to fire if these people sell their tickets, we're gonna fire them and I'm like, <laughs> all right, so understand what you're saying um you know the, the, this and and i we we had seen it and they, they had reported back to us that you know for a ticket to the to the to the game. These and they, and they were pairs, so each person got two tickets to bring a guest. So two tickets. They were being offered as much as fifty six hundred dollars a ticket. Wow. So you know, for these crew people, that that could be life changing, and not one did it. Really. And That's we fantastic. pulled them afterwards because we all had them on the bus to take him to the game. We said, so uh, I just got to ask you a question, because <laughs> I uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, none of you, did you, you get approached? And everybody got approached because they were on there looking with the players and all this other stuff uh, for tickets. And I said, So, nobody, and to a person, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I'll never get to be able to do it again. So I'm not. I wasn't. It didn't matter how much they offered me. wasn't going to do well, it. Well, I
0: think that's something. Honestly, like those of us that work in this space, and you get to go down in the field, yeah, and yeah sit it, in
2: the suites, and go it, backstage. It's, right? It's wrote to us. It's, it's yeah. not
0: as big of a deal. You have to remember that. That sometimes it's even the people in the 300 level at the United Center or whatever. They may have saved a lot of. They had to save a it. bunch of money to make that trip, and it is, a, you know, a night of the of the lifetime, like you said. Yeah, that shows you how important that it, was. Absolutely. and much of the reward that was. For well, them. I
1: think big picture, the key learning here is do not ignore your internal audiences. No. They are a fundamentally important audience and a, a
2: frequently missed opportunity from a sponsorship activation perspective. Well, and for, from our standpoint, they're our front line, so very extremely important to us. And I mean, what's uh, to put
0: you on the spot? But the u- number of U.S. employees is just seven hundred fifty thousand. G- right, a ginormous yeah. number. And those, but those people are your brand ambassadors. They are your brand ambassadors. Absolutely. Front line. Yep
1: uh certainly back around quickly to the McDonald's High School All-American game and that is what we call in the game a uh, ownable property right we Correct. like to name our stuff ownable properties so does McDonald's do, do you see a future that includes more ownable properties—is it a maintain the status quo? What is your perspective on ownable properties in a in in your mix and in the mix in general for brands that are spending money on rights fees and in, in the sponsorship space?
2: I certainly see an opportunity for ownable properties and people out there, and you obviously see what Red Bull does, uh, and they they probably do it the best. Um, from our standpoint, and yes, the McDonald's all Game is an own- ownable property. Um, there's no one, we we run it, we associate with it. Uh, I would say, uh, you know, to be a little snarky, that we it, we wouldn't look at any other ownables because this is the best. Um, you know, it's attained a level uh, and attained a, a status. And what what we need to do is, we just need to continue to make that better. And I think we're focused on that. Uh, you know, we've got a little bit new management and, and new eyeballs on it, so uh, we're going to work on that. Uh, but it is it is the best ownable property out there, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, why why try to recreate when you've got the best? Is that is that a rhetorical question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's
0: no rhetorical questions with Kevin Adler. He's going to answer it no matter what. Words of wisdom before we
1: let you go? Given the layer of our listenership that is kind of the starting out in their careers, what advice would you give people who are looking to get into this business? Uh, what advice would you give people who
2: are just starting out in this business? As an yeah. old wily veteran. As an old I, wily veteran, again, you know, I, I so I back my way into this. And, I, again, I, I find it uh, I find it fascinating that there are actually degrees in this now. Um, and, again, as an old Wiley, I'm not sure I'd get into college. Today, let alone <laughs> so you go this, this path. But you know, the fascinating thing to me is is truly understanding. Uh, you, you know, I, I don't know the mindset. I, I went down to DePaul not too long ago, and I spoke in a class. And and you know, I, I looking at these kids out there who are graduating with a degree in this in this space. And I, I try to explain to them. I said, you know, when I got out of college, you know, and not to give my age away, um, <laughs> when I got out of college. Uh, no internet, no cell phones, no CDs, no computers, per se, Um, interest rates were at 15%. Unemployment was over almost 11%. Uh, I, I didn't know. I just had to get a job. And I got a job by looking in the Sunday Times and circling a one ad and sending a resume in the mail and trying to follow up with a phone call. And everyone that I knew that I graduated, same thing. Just you didn't know. And and today you look at it and say, well, you know, there are no jobs out there because people keep telling you there's no jobs. There's all sorts of resources that tell you there's no jobs out there, but there are. And it's just you you. And, and again, I am where I am. I didn't start here, um, but the aspect is I got a job. And uh, that's kind of you, the, the, your career, your life takes you on a path, and it's meant to be. It's meant to be. You can't. I don't think you can come out and say I'm going to be a sports marketer. I'm going to be this. You you have to find that first first function and and go through, and then you, the life will take you where where you need to go.
0: We could close with that, but I'm going to ask one more. <laughs> that kind of along those lines, though. Married a long time now. Two kids. Two well, kids. Two grown kids.
2: Two grown kids. Wow. Well,
0: what are, what are you doing these yeah. days? Between you just came back from Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, trip there for work, what do you do or do you do anything for fun and if what is that
2: so i you know the the, the so the it's a weird thing that roll' them in i 'm not a huge sports fan, and part of that is as we talked about before of being in the industry and seeing the industry because sometimes it 's not pretty. Um, So, but I, I, and one of the things you asked where I came from, I grew up in the East Coast. I grew up playing hockey. Mm -hmm. So I still play hockey. Um, I still play three, two to three times a week. Oh wow! Um, and while I grew up a diehard Rangers fan, I am now a diehard Blackhawks fan. So I enjoy, uh, you know, the Blackhawks and watching the Blackhawks games, um, and and playing hockey. So that's what I do for fun and, and exercise because you know I don't like to necessarily exercise, but uh, hockey is a great, great, great avenue for that. So um, other than that, um, you know, just kind of. That takes up most of my time. Yeah, right. Between job
0: and and late night at the rink, right? John Lewicki, head of Global Alliances for McDonald's Corporation. Thank you very much for being so open and honest and sharing some, uh,
2: some great information with us today. Thank you. Thanks for thinking of me.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed the chat with John Lewicki from McDonald's. If you haven't already, make sure you check out part one with John. And as you scroll back in the feed, also would uh, recommend you take a look at some of the other episodes, including TK Gore from CSN Chicago, Chris Reuter, who's the CEO of Spikeball, uh, Stephen Bardo from BTN, Nancy Armour, Kara Bachman. It's all great stuff. Subscribe, rate, share. It helps us out tremendously. We really appreciate it. But uh, one more to point out, don't forget you can win tickets to the NCAA golf Championships coming to Rich Harvest Farms May 18 to 31. Listen to last week's Keith Rich Vicki McGowan interview for details on how you can win. If you have any feedback or suggestions, comments, whatever, you can reach us directly by emailing painlesspod at painless.network. Again, that's painlesspod at network. So until next time, for my delightful co host Kevin Adler, this is Chris Hartwick saying,
2: Stay connected, friends.